previously on Transformers Chronicles. Now you have Shockwave, that cold calculating guy. Everything he does is thought out and he's crunched the numbers or this is the best course of action and or this is the worst course of action. And Megatron is just raw emotion a lot of times. It's, it's very much a Megatron is a Kirk and uh, Shockwave is a Spock. That makes it easy for Pat if they do fight, as uh, is promised at the end of this, um, to the death, the Pat will know what music to play. Will Pat remember that I said this? And or will he play whatever music he feels like, making me look foolish? And if I'm so concerned by such things, why would I remind everybody with that specific flashback? What is wrong with me? Will Megatron manage to regain his position of leader of the Decepticons, or will Shockwave remain supreme? Will I ever learn how to pronounce Albright properly? Most of these questions will be answered on this exciting new episode of Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Transformers Chronicles the Marvel Years. Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. In case you're new to the show, let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride into the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. Our prime focus, see what I did there, is on the U.S. version of the comics. We will dive into the world of the Marvel UK comics from time to time as well. In either case, this podcast is absolutely guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye, but I am not alone on this crusade. First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the novice of the Transformers world, the seeker of the matrix of knowledge, Pat Sampson, DJ Cristados. Pat, what is up, sir? Ooh, not much, not much. Tell me about your life, man. What's going on? What's changed? Well, I tell you, Delvin, I am in. I'm looking for a new Autobot to drive around in. What happened to Autobot? Old Autobot? It's leaking some gas and <laughs> stuff like that. You know, I wish I had the the Wick Wiki around to help me fix him, but doesn't well, seem to be around. Without giving away too much, I'm pretty sure Buster's going to be able to help you out a whole lot very soon. Why is that? Well, we'll get to that. Just keep that in mind for the future. Next up, we have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Mary with comics. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Delvin. Hello. <laughs> the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. John, what's up, man? Tell me about your life. How's it transformed since last episode? Well, let's see. Since last last episode, we were still in the thick of the polar vortex tornado from hell thing. And <laughs> it was, but since then, it's actually become something resembling spring. Oh. Uh, we had a heat wave for a bit, so briefly it went from, oh my God, this is this winter wonderland needs to go to, oh my God, we're all underwater, to now it's just sort of what it usually is in March, which is kind of cold and dark and, and boring. But daylight savings time has made it it's lighter later in the day, so there's that. There is that. that. I mean, that sounds like Wisconsin room for improvement. <laughs> yes, but we can't forget about you. Has your life transformed in any way? Absolutely. We already talked about it off the air, but 
by the time this thing records, um, Auburn uh, Tigers, uh, my team, my alum, they have made the Final Four. That is literally Auburn history. We have never done that before. Uh, you have never uh, seen a guy my size jump up and down and scream and shout in jubilation as much as uh, I did over this past weekend. It was fantastic. I, I, I mean, I'm saying that with a smile on my face now. Couldn't be happier. It's great. Life's great. <laughs> it was fun enough reading your Twitter feed while you were live tweeting the game. I can't even imagine what it must have been like to be in your shoes. My, my wife doesn't watch the games with me, and not because I'm like some a ball of rage, but she gets nervous. And then, like, I'm not helping her with, like, my nervous energy at all. And to give you an idea, uh, the game went into overtime. So it's tied 60-60, and we had the last shot. And, like, the guy shoots the ball, and he misses it to go into overtime. And I feel my heart beating in my head. <laughs> I just happened, you know, I have a, an Apple Watch and I clicked on it. I'm like, how fast is my heart beating? 149 beats per minute. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like I'm working out watching oh, this damn game. Why do sports, why does it do it to you? I don't know. It's lovely. It's terrible. It's beautiful. It's certainly transforming. I can go on forever. We should probably start talking some Transformers. But first, let's get to the promo. We'll be right back. The Transformers will return after these messages. John Jones of Mars. Kat Matsui of Gorgar. Ronnie Raymond of Earth. Ten years ago, a crashing wave of light erupted across the DC Universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet. Because while the light fights, the darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen, and it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. 
Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's JLMA podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. JLMA covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10-year anniversary. Our coverage begins on April 30th with the podcast of OA and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Idol Head of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, The Dr. DC Podcast, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, and ends with the Lantern Cast. So join us this May. Because across the DC Universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be? We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. Issue we will be covering today is Transformers, issue number six. And here is John with the cover description. Thank you, Delvin. This cover by Alan Cooperberg, who also did the interior art, uh, has the classic Marvel batter in the upper left, along with the great picture of Optimus Prime posing with his laser rifle up and pointing at us as if telling us that we are the only ones who can prevent forest fires. And at the top of the cover are the words more than meets the eye with the classic The Transformers logo. The main cover features an aerial battle with Megatron to the left fighting Shockwave to the right and a green United States Air Force helicopter flying just off of Shockwave's left foot, just in case you forgot that this was an aerial battle. Shockwave is getting the better of this battle with his gun arm shooting off the fusion cannon that Megatron holsters on his right arm. The two covers that contain the same story, Marvel UK issues 24 and 25. Now, both of those issues have a purple Transformers logo, similar to the U.S. version, except that it has the Decepticon symbol rather than the Autobot symbol. And their slogan, rather than more than meets the eye, is Warrior Robots in Disguise. 24's cover is by Christopher Golden and is a gorgeous painting of Shockwave blasting the oil rig from this issue, along with the words Shockwave's Act of War, Offshore Strike. Trust me, it's really great. Just uh, Google the image Transformers UK 24, and they cost 27 pence. Transformers UK 25 uh, was just a reproduction of the United States version, except for some reason they added a word balloon from the person in the helicopter that says CF1 to base, CF1 to base, you ain't going to believe this. (laughs) And also on the left... (laughs) that covers up a big chunk of the art, including most of Megatron's right leg, is an ad for a contest of a free gift you can get via Kellogg's Corn Flakes, a model airliner. Ooh, exciting. That's, hey, that's yeah. better than winning a 10-speed. <laughs> corn Flakes, Corn Flakes, Corn Flakes. And that's those covers. Um, to keep you regular. yeah this covers uh, pretty interesting i I like the coloring of it kind of gives the indication that it's they're fighting later in the day the clouds are kind of purple and and yellow i like the helicopter coming up to them just to both give a sense of scale and reminded us that they're fighting in the air 
Dublin, what did you think of it? So I'll be the first to admit I'm not the hugest fan of uh, Copperberg. I think I kind of mentioned that last time, but this is a good cover. And if you want to know what happens in the book, I mean, this is a decent enough depiction of what happens in it. Uh, and it's and it's cool that they are fighting uh, in the air. And it's definitely uh, an interesting one to watch. Looking from last cover, uh, where Shockwave was looking all menacing, to now he's fighting you know, the big bad of the Decepticons and Megatron. Looks like he's having his way with it. So uh, it, it's a good cover, and I like it. What do you think, Pat? You know, when I first looked at this, I didn't really know where they were. When I look at it, my eyes focus right on Megatron and Shockwave. So I didn't know, were they on the ground? Were they in the cloud? I thought maybe that was just like smoke going on behind them. Then you see the helicopter and then you're like, okay, they're in the air. And I like the size uh, deception there to show that how big they are and they're battling in the sky. Like how Shockwave's little laser hand is lit up. Yeah, I think that, I yeah, think that's, that's really cool. cool. Yeah, because usually it's it's not lit up, but when when you you know with the toy when it did it lit up. So I really like that as well too. It's kind of a simple cover though. So, but you you brought up a really good point. You you brought up the helicopter in a couple of ways in that it not only showed you that it was an aerial fight, which John kind of mocked a little bit when he made the cover description, but then also that it showed the size of how mm-hmm. big. Megatron and Shockwave is. So it's a simple cover, but it's an effective one. Would you agree? Yeah, it is simply done, but effective, yes. What do you think, John? Does what it's supposed to do. I think it suffers a little bit just because it has the unfortunate nature of following the cover yeah. for number five. And also that cover for the UK one is really mm-hmm. great. But this one, it's serviceable. We'll see um, how we're going to rate these things. Sounds like a transition to me. So well, let's rate it. For those who are new to the show, we hear Transformers Chronicles rate stuff on a scale of one to 10, just like the tech specs of the Transformer toys, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. And it looks like John was chomping at the bit to rate. So he should go first. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. And there's really not much more to say about it. It's way better than average. It's not among the elite. Does its purpose. I would probably, if I was walking by the spinner rack and saw it, it may be enough to entice me to pick it up and leaf through it at least. So a seven out of 10. Okay. Pat, what do you think? I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to grab these, but is it one of my favorite ones? Nah, it's all right. It's It does its job. Okay. Yeah. I'm right there with you guys for once, because usually you guys are like nine and I'm like three. <laughs> This case, I'm with you. I, I, I'm around the seven area, and I and, and I will go. I'll go with a seven. I think Shockwave is very well drawn, but I guess it's just coming a theme that Shockwave is just pretty dang cool. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever made that toy did a good job with him because he has a unique look. And if he is well drawn, he just makes any cover that he's on pop tremendously. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that exposure to Pat and myself have improved the quality of your ratings, Delvin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Improved or brought them down. <laughs> Six of one. Whatever. We made a change. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all about here. We're all about transforming. Speaking of transforming, wink. Here's Pat with the credits for this issue. And uh, I think we're already going to do it once, but it never hurts to give Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net uh, credit uh, for being awesome and great and stuff and providing credits. Pat, take it away. 
All right. Well, this one was published by Marvel. Got a cover date of July 1985, but it was on sale April 16th of 1985. Cover price of 75 cents. Editor is James Osley, a.k.a. Christopher, you got another thing coming, Priest. TFU.info, where they cover this issue along with five. They cover them three at a time, just and kind of more broadly. The uh, coverage of issue five goes into a lot of detail about Christopher Priest with stuff I did not know. Also, a whole bunch about the Honeymooners. <laughs> I learned a lot about Christopher Priest from the Cosmic Treadmill. Uh, was it October, November? They went through the Green Lantern series for the action weekly nice because he was he was a big part of it yeah i remember chris priest most notably for black panther him and Tashera. i th- i think of uh, the milestone books oh see i didn't get to read much milestone that was the dc offshoot right those were really great that's where um static came from and icon okay but we're not a milestone podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we should probably let <laughs> cover the curtain. All right. Writer is Bob Budiansky. Artist, Alan Kupperberg. Letterist is Rick L. Parker. Who you gonna call? <laughs> Colorist, Nelson Yamtov. I'm gonna I'm getting good at that. You're killing it, Pat. You killed it. I wanted that one. Two in a row. I got that down. You're the man. Thanks, Pat. Oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm, you're used to saying, you know, there's writer, then there's the penciler, then there's the inker. And then, like, it just seems like less people. There's only four. There. Kupperberg does his own inking. Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I will get to that. All right. Uh, Pat, thanks for that. And I guess it's my turn to um, earn my pay around here. Let's get to the synopsis. He gets paid? Hey, wait a minute. Uh, we'll, we'll talk later. We'll talk. All right. What? I mean, being with you guys, that's payment enough. Exactly. Yeah, how's that for buttering up? That's good. That's good. Good for me. Good for Delvin. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world The title of this book is The Worst of Two Evils. The story begins with Shockwave attacking the state-of-the-art oil rig owned by industrialist Tony Stark. <clears throat> I mean, GB BlackRock. The rig's defenses are formidable, but are mostly ineffective. Shockwave makes short work of them. During the battle, one of BlackRock's employees, Josie Beller, is critically injured. Back at the Ark, the Decepticons receive a communication from Shockwave, who orders them to depart to the platform immediately. Much to the chagrin of the still-recovering Megatron, the Decepticons obey Shockwave's order immediately. Elsewhere in the arc, the still-living detached head of Optimus Prime instructs Buster to disconnect two wires from Prime's head and connects them to Buster's own. Buster is basically all, sure, Optimus, and complies and promptly electrocutes himself to unconsciousness. I can just hear Pat's less than me see I already. <laughs> Ratchet, still hiding in ambulance mode outside the arch, sees Shockwave arrive. Shockwave checks on Megatron and points out again how much better of a leader he is than all the Decepticons, and he just leaves. 
Megatron can no longer contain his rage and tears himself free of medical equipment. Buster manages to regain consciousness and staggers out of the Ark unseen. He makes his way back to Ratchet and reports to the Autobot medic what he saw inside. He neglects to mention that he was electrocuted and nearly killed. Back to the Decepticons, Megatron ambushes Shockwave and blasts him with his fusion cannon through the wall of the Ark, through the volcano, nothing but net, and slamming into a high school football stadium miles away. Megatron tries to finish the job, but Shockwave quickly recovers and makes short work of Megatron, with Shockwave goading him into punching a water tower, which blasts water onto and into Megatron, which short-circuits him due to his lingering injuries. Shockwave blasts Megatron to within an inch of his life. Megatron begs Shockwave to kill him, sparing him the humiliation of being defeated so utterly. But Shockwave refuses, saying he needs him alive for now. Shockwave returns to the Ark, depositing a crippled Megatron at the feet of the other Decepticons. Shockwave asks for and receives loyalty affirmations from all Decepticons, even Megatron. Outside, Buster and Ratchet sit in despair, wondering what they can possibly do now. Yikes. So yeah, let's talk about the book. So we do a good, bad format here. And uh, each of us are going to talk about something good or bad from the comic. And now everyone discusses. John, you're up. What do you think? What's good? What's bad? This one's kind of weird to talk about because, I mean, we were talking before we went on the air. It's a really quick read, which almost gives you whiplash compared to every book before this point. You know, from the sheer dense exposition of the first couple to the loaded story of the last one. This one, a lot happens, but it just happens so fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Shockwave versus the oil rig is pretty great. Although, and I know this is the Marvel Universe with added giant transforming aliens from beyond the stars here, but is that standard defense on oil platforms? I mean, he's got anti-aircraft guns, flying Cobra helicopters. He was prepared, just not for Transformers. You got to give old um, Tony GB Blackrock a lot of credit. (laughs) I mean, he he was ready, that's for sure. When you got the money, you got the money. You do. You put it into the toys. Yes. And I mean, because you would think that if somebody attacks a country's oil rig, I mean, that's an act of war. So you're not going to just do that. GB was ready for worst case scenario for all the good that it did him. <laughs> it seemed weird that he had an office there. I mean, I can see the man owning this oil platform. He described it as state of the art and it's a great source of money, but he also works there with Josie. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just one of those hands-on bosses. And uh, because you wouldn't think that that's something that a big boss would do, put himself out there in the open like that on an oil rig. But, you know, there he is. So he's a hands-on type of guy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> likes his toys. He likes to have nice things. Yeah, wants to protect his, his nice up. things. Yeah, until he has to give them up because of you know giant alien robots, plants for war abomination. <laughs> that can put a spanner in your works. <laughs> so, Pat, what do you think? Something good? Something bad? This was just a really quick read, uh, as Jonathan said. I really enjoyed reading it through. It was a lot, you know, action. And that was nice compared to the other issues that we've been reading so far. One thing is you got a flying gun coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) And his first response is shoot it. (laughs) But what, I mean, what should your response be? Because if I saw a gun that big floating towards me, like I'd probably just be like, okay, so hopefully my affairs are in order because apparently I'm just dead. This this wasn't my day or a year or lifetime. (laughs) 
Uh, I just found that really interesting that, all right, I'm a gun. I'm going to come and fly around and shoot you. I mean, how terrifying would that be, though? Because they they described him in issue four as a 35-foot space gun. Yeah. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always like the depictions of scale. Like, and you get it later on with Buster and and Optimus Prime. I mean, he's smaller than Optimus Prime's head. Yeah. But we'll get to Buster there in a moment, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, we will. (laughs) Do you have a good or a bad, Delvin? I do, even though I like the book. And we'll get to that. But I'm going to start with a bad. And I'm wondering if you guys noticed that all the robots had regular talking bubbles. Yes, it was in the last one as well. It will go back to uh, the squares, I think, either next issue or the issue after. Yeah, I saw that and immediately it was like, ooh, ooh. Did not like that. I was waving my finger backwards and forwards. It was it was kind of like hit and miss, though, because sometimes you saw when he was thinking, like when Megatron's thinking, sometimes you can see the square, bo- the bubbles. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes another one talks and it's just normal talk bubble or whatever. So, Well, it led me to think that maybe this book was somewhat of a rush job and I have a, a small bit of background of this. Yeah. That I, do. Yeah, I also do. I wonder if it's the same thing. Well, you go first. I know that the three panel page where Shockwave is shown getting blasted out of the mountain itself. Mm-hmm. That is drawn by a different artist. Oh, That's, man. If you go to tfwiki.com, they'll mention how they figured that out. Nobody really knows who the artist is. Everybody kind of assumes it's the guy who takes over for this guy um, in issue seven, because there's a new artist starting issue seven. So I think your your rush job idea does have a bit of merit with that, or maybe he was having trouble finishing and they had to bring in the next guy. Hey, what it happens to all of us. Oh, <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Even the cat looked at me weird when you said that. <laughs> There's that part of it, but I'm not I'm not going to take credit for that um, fully. I told you guys, um, I, I sent you guys a link about uh, Epic Marvel Podcast, and they Wait. interviewed Bob Budiansky. And one of the things that Bob Budiansky said that you know, when he started in issue five, because he was editor and then he became writer. And so once he became writer, he had to learn that he needed to make less dense plots because the initial plot that he submitted for issue five, the editor broke it apart and made it into issue five and issue six. Okay. And it was something that Bob Budiansky wasn't very happy about because he's like, no, the editor should have come back to me and just told me to dial back the plot a little bit. And I would have done that. But instead, the editor made the decision on his own. So I guess he's talking about Chris Priest here to divide it into issue five and issue six. That might also explain why at the end of the book, it just kind of ended. Okay, yeah, I was wondering that, too. I was at the end. I was like, am I missing a page here? Me, too. (laughs) Me, too, Matt. I was like, uh, yeah. Did I forget something? Yeah. If it would have ended with just Megatron saying Hail Shockwave, yeah. that would have been a good ending point. But then cutting back to, meanwhile, and Buster and Ratchet still are losing. <laughs> Tune in next time. And maybe and O shows up. <laughs> Ooh, can't wait for that. Oh, see, that would be a surprise ending. You get like a, you know, a, a dark background where you don't know who it is. And it's O standing. 
stands supreme. It was I. I created the Decepticons. I owe. <laughs> I owe. I owe. Hey, you guys hungry? <laughs> Buster, stop making out with Jesse. I can't see the people that I'm trying to monologue at. So we should get back to highs or lows. As much fun as we're having here. John, do you have another high or low? The art is better than it was last issue, but it's interesting now to to think about knowing that it was a rush job and both of them essentially were. That would explain some of the coloring issues that I had with the last one. The fight between Shockwave and Megatron was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. I'd agree I agree. You could just make a movie based on this as a storyboard. Mm-hmm. Shockwave getting blown forward, just the scale, the speed, because it says he's blasted miles over the countryside. <laughs> They they did something interesting there because, of course, the main point of the book is you know, Shockwave still reigns supreme, but they had a pretty big out, right? And that big out was Megatron isn't fully recovered. So if there's a rematch, you'll figure it'll be a different story altogether. Right. And I think that's that's pretty big. Like, and if I was Shockwave, I'm surprised Shockwave didn't do something like, I don't know, like I'm going to leave some back door where... I'm going to heal you, but you're never going to be 100%. So, like, if you ever even want to rise up, I can always just kick your butt again. (laughs) You will be amazed at how quickly he heals. (laughs) He seems just fine in the next one. Well, I mean, that that Megatron, he's a quick healer, I guess. Um, (laughs) I mean, there's a reason that there's that. That's a good way to not have weaknesses is if you quickly recover. Right. You you might be able to get injured, but if you recover quickly, I mean, that, that, that helps. That helps. Pat, did you have another good or bad? Boy, I'm trying to think of whether it's a good or a bad. I liked how things are kind of slowed down a little bit, and now we're getting more character, more and more character development here. I really like how Megatron was kind of taking down a few pegs. He's taking down a lot of pegs. Yeah, yes. and even in, in front of all the other Decepticons, you see him, yes, you know, master. He begs for death earlier, which was... Uh-huh. Something. Yeah. That too many times in any media. <laughs> I mean, how that you can't get more humble than that. At the same time, it's humbling, but in that Megatron though, it's like, I'd rather be dead. Yeah. Than, yeah. Than than you, to know that you beat me this way. That that very much is Megatron. Yeah, this issue is it's kind of what I like to call a John Walker Captain America issue. Whenever somebody takes over for the hero or for the villain. They would always have to give an issue to show that the new guy was amazing. They, they had him do something. And in G.I. Joe, there was one where Fred Seven winds up being in charge and manages to be competent and win. John Walker goes out and shows us maybe he'll be a decent Captain America. As John Paul Valley, formerly Azrael after Nightfall, goes out to fill in for Batman and has the issue where he goes out and he's almost as good as the original Batman. Usually it's to put the story in a place to show them... Uh, trip up later and the original one come back. Yeah. A, a off comic book uh, comparison would be like uh, the Dukes of Hazard. Boy and dance, you know? And you shut up. That didn't happen. I'm, no, you're right. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen. Coy and Vance were pretty. I, I think that they were O's cousins. Uh, <laughs> hey, the the episode where they came back and it was all four of them was actually a good episode. I didn't know that. Now I want to go watch that. I'm intrigued. Yeah, yep, we, we keep okay. getting sidetracked from Transformers. <laughs> you started it. I did. I did. <laughs> is it is it my turn for a, a high or low? There. Uh yes, it is your turn for high or low. So 
I kind of alluded to in past introduction, but I, I'll, I'll say this, man, you know, get you somebody that has that unflagging loyalty like Buster has towards Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> because, dang, like, quick, I, I, I have no time to waste here. Just put these two electro-looking <laughs> things against your head. Sure, Optimus. <laughs> <laughs> and then the picture that they showed him stumbling out of the ark, he like hell moan over. He looked terrible. I mean, that is some unflapping loyalty. To be honest, I don't know if Optimus deserved it. <laughs> when Maggie read this one, she was reading it and looked at it and said, take these two electrodes from my forehead. And Maggie said, uh, and then put them on your own, she said jokingly, and then kept reading and said, oh, he did, but now he's dead. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> You're going to make a move on Jesse, aren't you, Pat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I got no, there's no competition there. <laughs> oh, old dog, you. I like how um, in page 13, the page where Megatron's snapping out of his, but then it goes, meanwhile, you see... Buster's still on the floor and he's kind of waking up. He calls out to his friend. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh, don't make a move on Jesse. <laughs> he didn't make one on her. And, uh, issue two, he's never going to make one. I know. On what a sucker, man. Come on. He is. I agree. I was a sucker. So, gentlemen, any more good? Any more bad? I got another good. Go for it. I, I like the art in this. I like the art of the transformation, how they're depicting it. Kind of, and they do a little, you know, it's like a one color uh, background or or whatever of them kind of in their transformation mode. I like that. I guess they had problems with certain reprints because of that. The coloring of it made it tricky to put it on different kinds of paper. Oh, really? That sounds like a compliment to the original colorist, don't you think? I think so too, but. After I ripped him to shreds last issue, I should probably compliment him in this one. Was it the same colorist? Who's the colorist? Yamtov, I think. Nelson Yamtov. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do like that effect. I do like that effect. I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, think- it's different from the other ones we've seen. I have something to add. I think that it is an interesting issue because other than Optimus Prime's head and Ratchet, no Autobots were really featured. Yeah, and Ratchet doesn't do much anything. No, he just stays there in ambulance mode and just hides. And yeah. Nearly kills a human again. Yeah, he sends the human for reconnaissance and he just kind of sits there. Going to be interesting to see what Ratchet can do because he's going to have to do something, right? It was, it was tricky to come up with somebody to do for the spotlight later because there's only three Transformers that do anything and all Ratchet does is sit there. So, and. <laughs> They've already got one last week, but nobody else does anything. I think you picked a great one. We should do one on Buster <laughs> or Mr. GB Blackrock. Where does he get his money from? Why does he, he have so expensive rockets? He runs the av- no, no, no. Oh yeah, Revengers. <laughs> GB is a pretty big character for a long time. Yeah. GB sticks around, and what's up with Josie? I mean, Josie kind of uh. <laughs> We'll get to Josie in issue nine. And actually, before that, Secret Wars 2, number two. But we'll talk about that once we get to issue nine, I think. We'll have to have one of the folks from Secret Wars and more on. 
That'd be good. And I, I heard a little bit about that from Epic Marvel Podcast. By the way, we also got a shout out by them because I made a um, comment uh, on Longbox Crusade Instagram. They did a few Transformers pages. They recently covered uh, Transformers versus uh, G.I. Joe. Okay. They had a couple of pages and I just happened to mention uh, a Transformers comment. And so they read that. So much props to uh, Epic Marvel Podcast. They put on a good show. They do. But yeah, Josie Beller. She kind of had a uh, undying loyalty for uh, GB BlackRock the way that Buster did for Optimus Prime. And just like uh, Buster, it cost her. There's already been an electrocution in this issue. It's not like they're going to do two. <laughs> yeah. Josie yeah. reads it backwards. There's a lot of people getting hurt in this and people and robots getting hurt in this. Yeah. They advance the action and they're not afraid to. Yeah. So uh, that's the advantage of having all the main characters introduced it's you almost think that bob's idea is like all right we already we got them let's just put some on the shelf and let's do our let's i'm gonna do my spotlight and he did he did his spotlight of of uh megatron and shockwave and it'll also be interesting to see who else comes from uh the savage land where uh, shockwave was uh laying dormant for millions of years Now it's time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, let's scratch that out, Decepticon, or Human. Uh, Also, Pat totally gets what the touch means now. That still doesn't sound right. Okay. Um, You got the touch. You got the I guess I'll go first. And I guess if somebody had to touch, man, I mean, do I pick Shockwave two in a row? Seems unlikely, but I mean, he's still the man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go with Shockwave again. Shockwave seems to have a plan that is effective. And now he has all the Decepticons on Earth fully in allegiance to him. Well, 98% in allegiance to him because Megatron's still waiting until he heals up. But for now, Shockwave's the man. John, who do you think? All right, stay with me on this one. Okay. Sparkplug Witwicky, because <laughs> Sparkplug made the poison fuel that knocked out all the Decepticons. However, he must have really stuck it to Megatron because all of the other Decepticons that were injured in this way are now up and around, except for Megatron, who is still within an inch of his life. So Sparkplug must have really zapped him. And if he hadn't, Shockwave wouldn't have won the thing at all. So therefore, Sparkplug, you've got the touch as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. That seems like some uh, mathematical transit properties going on there, but I don't want to blow it. either that or pick Shockwave again. And <laughs> <laughs> you can always pick O. O was waiting there. He was off panel and he was doing some big things. <laughs> <laughs> he had a burger. He had a shake. Pat, who had the touch, my friend? I'm going to go with Shockwave. He's a big player in this issue. He didn't uh, take any crap from anybody and made them all worship him. Yeah, it's very hard not to choose him. In order to do so, you'd have to come up with some really wildly bizarre. Yeah, some elaborate scheme or something like that that you'd have to. (laughs) He's a strong robot. He don't need no man. (laughs) That's Shockwave. He's more a robot than you'll ever be. (laughs) 
though, if we talked about the touch, then someone had to be out of touch in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye, where we talk about the character that was the worst in the book and they should be electrocuted in some grotesque fashion. Are you just going to say Buster? Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm no, I'm going to say Ratchet because he does nothing. No, (laughs) he he at least Buster's doing something. (laughs) Ratchet's just, oh, I'm going to wait here. All right. I'm a big robot. I'm just going to send this little guy in. (laughs) You don't appreciate that. He needs to be a robot of action, huh? Yeah, I get that. I dig that. I understand. I mean, Buster's just doing what he was told to do. Buster is an eager SOB because seriously, he doesn't owe them anything <laughs> at this point. He just thinks that this is cool and he just went along with it because, yeah. His dad told him to stay away. His dad told him to stay away. He promised his dad that he would stay away. And then has done nothing since then except disobey him. Yeah. Literally every action has been to disobey that promise. So, wow. I, now I kind of want to pick Buster. <laughs> well, go ahead. He, he's, he's up. Buster's up for grabs if you want. He is. He is up for grabs. You know what? I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with Megatron. Megatron is less than me, CI. And I'm just going to follow the, the script of the book here in that Megatron took the biggest loss of that book. He got his tail whooped and he got it whooped because he lost control of his emotions. He could have bided his time. He could have waited. Instead, he got the he ambushed Shockwave, which doesn't seem like Megatron style. Megatron seems like the type that would just blast you head on. He didn't. He ambushed him and he still got his butt whooped. So, yeah, Megatron, you know, what? for taking that L, less than meets the eye for me. What do you think, John? Well, I was going to pick Ratchet. For the exact same reasons that Pat said. Oh. So my backup was Megatron for the exact same reasons you said. I don't want to pick Buster because that just seems cliche at this point. So I have no choice but to instead pick the freckle-faced football player at the bottom of page 15 <laughs> who says his, I don't know, but I hope he's not playing for DeForest High this Saturday. It's an unnecessary tension-breaking joke that wasn't funny anyway in a situation that didn't need it. So, freckle-faced dude who wears the number 69, (laughs) 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 you are less than meets the eye. (laughs) Let's write this book. Uh, To recap, we do the 1 to 10 text specs thing. I already talked about it, so I don't need to mention it again. John, you're up. What are you going to write the book? I'll give this a seven. It's a good issue. A lot of things happen, but ultimately it feels like filler for some reason. So it can't like reach like the eights, the nines and the tens. Like we're going to actually start seeing, I think so. Seven it is. That's cool. What do you think, Pat? Well, I'm a guy that sometimes doesn't mind eating the filler. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to agree with you. It's a seven. I was thinking, oh man, it's another Transformers book. I got to read. This one's going to be another long one. And then I started going through it, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. And, I, and I'm not calling out oh because I missed him. <laughs> oh. Ooh. I'm oh. just like, oh, there's oh. Some, 
You know? <laughs> I'm having fun. Decent story. I think there's some decent kind of a story kind of going on here. And just, I really enjoyed seeing Megatron being brought down because, you know, I know he's going to come back up, but this is just a really cool way of seeing him broken down to get him really mad. Okay, cool. I'll stick with you guys on this. I'll give it a seven also. It was a good book. And as I found out shortly before listening to the podcast, this book kind of was filler in that it was supposed to be, you know, attached to issue five. So this is kind of issue five A in a sense. So it was a good continuation of the book. If you kind of think of issues five and issue six as one book, it would have been a, a slightly longer one, but it would have been an interesting book that wound up with Shockwave still being the man. So Good, not all-time great, but you know what? Everyone can't be an all-time great. I don't think I mind it being the extra, uh, you know, another one, because it did continue on where it left off. The best part of the Twinkie is the filler, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Queen or, as, as Jason might say, queen filling. <laughs> okay, we rolled lucky sevens on uh, the book. We should write that down. This first time we all hit the same number, I think, except for the cover of the last one. I know. Um, I don't expect to see this much agreement going forward, but you know what? It's it's not bad that we do that we did agree. I think it's pretty good. I can go yeah. I, I can go with that. I can stick with you guys, you know, for this issue. I love you guys. Aw. <laughs> Oscar, you guys. Okay. So we can never and we will never leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer, which he already gave away. So, John, let's talk about Megatron. Yes, let's talk about Megatron, indeed. Here's what you would see if you looked at the back of Megatron's first toy back in the day. His allegiance is Decepticon. His function is leader. His motto is peace through tyranny. Remember, these are on a scale of 1 to 10. His strength is 10. His intelligence also 10. His speed is 4. You know, he's a turns into a gun, so can't go too fast. His endurance is 8, his rank is 10, courage is 9, firepower 10, and skill 10. Megatron combines brute strength, military cunning, ruthlessness, and terror. He aches to return to Cybertron to complete the Decepticon conquest, but only after destroying all Autobots on Earth. He plans to possess all of Earth's resources, incredibly powerful and intelligent, fires particle beam cannon. And here's the interesting one. There's only one place, to my knowledge, in the entire Transformers canon where this next bit comes into play, but he can link up interdimensionally to a black hole and draw antimatter from it for use as a weapon. No known weaknesses. Powerful. Have we seen that? The UK ones. Okay, I was going to say, I haven't seen that yet. No, and you won't see it here. And they, they never do it in the cartoon or anywhere like that. So if we ever get to talk to Bob Budiansky, I want to ask him about that. Him and O, and then the rest of you can ask whatever you want. Maybe Megatron put O in the black hole. There you go. (laughs) That's why you never see him again. Yeah. Hmm. Megatron's name, uh, according to Bob Budiansky, comes from a combination of Megaton and Electronic. The name was also created independently of him by Madeline Longla in the book A Wrinkle in Time, in which uh, the main character Meg's uh, father calls her Megatron as a pet name. They're not the same character, though. 
His original toy was uh, more than a bit controversial. He transformed into an incredibly accurate looking Walter P-38 pistol. And he was also outfitted with three distinctive accessories. He had a scope, a silencer, and a stock that, when put together, replicates the appearance of the unique specialized Walther pistol seen in the popular spy television series, The Man from Uncle. With those on, it looked much more obviously like a toy, but the pistol itself was realistic enough that a man held a train hostage with one in Canada once. And if that wasn't fun enough, the original Microman Japanese release of the toy that would be Megatron featured a spring-loaded firing mechanism that allowed the toy to shoot dangerously small plastic bullets one at a time from its barrel. Wow. Good grief. Future versions of his toys would change the alt modes to a variety of different non-gun things. It looked incredibly realistic. but It did. Now, these days, it's probably easier in the United States, at least, to get an actual Walther P-38 than it would be. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> Now, Megatron, um, story-wise, has been depicted as being a gladiator from a city called Tarn. That starts with Simon Furman's background in the UK continuity, which is technically part of these books' his continuity. Uh, this is paid lip service to in almost every other com- comics incarnation, with him being referred to as Megatron of Tarn in the IDW books. Uh, Megatron is pretty much the same in these books as he is in the cartoon. He's bombastic, arrogant, and terrifyingly powerful. He features throughout the series until issue 25 when he vanishes forever. Or does he? He, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> but the IDW books, especially the phase two books that Maggie and I cover over on the Rod Pod, uh, Megatron has a rich and complicated background. His motivations are far more complex than the standard I'm evil that he's reduced to everywhere else. And eventually he becomes almost completely sympathetic. He is absolutely amazing in the books more than meets the eye, and which eventually becomes Lost Light. This issue aside, Megatron is the leader because he is the best. And that is all I have to say about Megatron today. Well, that's a lot because it's Megatron. You know, you think about, you know, Optimus Prime as like the Transformer everyone remembers. But I mean, Megatron has to be number two, right? I mean, which is befitting because he is every bit as powerful as Optimus Prime, if not more so. And with that, let's take a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. In 1939, Bob Kane and Bill Finger created a shadowy crime fighter steeped in the pulps and crime dramas of the time. That character was Batman. Over the next 80 years, Batman not only became one of the most popular comic book characters of all time, but also became a television and movie phenomenon, appearing in both live-action and animated projects. And then there are the plethora of video games, trading cards, action figures, and statues that have been made of him and his cast of characters. Because of this, Mike and I want to spend the next year celebrating his 80th birthday. And we're calling that celebration the Overlooked Dark Knight Celebration of Batman's 80th Birthday. Yes. But really? Really? That That's the best name that you could come up with. You've written panels, dude, and that's the best thing you could come up with. It's accurate. Yeah, but... You know, you and I have been podcasting a long time now. That was the placeholder name. We can do better than that. Okay, what's your idea? Well, what did we call it in the first episode of this series that we've already recorded? I, I 
really have no idea. It's a miracle that I remember what books we talked about. But that's fair, because I don't remember that either. Anyway, Andy and I are going to be spending May 2019 to May 2020 talking about Batman stories from all eras that we feel are either overlooked or too awesome not to talk about. We're even going to have special episodes dedicated to things like the 1989 Batman film and what issues of Detective Comics we would include in a big hardcover collection. Episodes will drop twice a month. You sure about that? To the best of my ability, episodes will drop twice a month at www.fortressofbailytude.com. You can also find the show on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. The Overlooked Dark Knight celebration of Batman's 80th birthday. Because everyone is doing it, but we're doing it for a whole year. The Overlooked Dark Knight is part of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. All right, reserve. Return to the Transformers. Now it's time for social media likes, shares, and retweets, where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. We really appreciate all the love and attention we get from the show that we don't get in real life. Uh, We're talking Transformer Chronicles, the Marvel Years, uh, episode four, where we discuss Transformers 4. Got a few names to get through, so we will get through them uh, as quickly and efficiently as possible. Social media likes, shares, and retweets from Aaron Head Moss, Aaron Henley, Om Divine. Ah, I see what they did there. Andreas Berg Melson, Austin Kuykendall, Bradford William, Charlie Niemeyer, Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Somebody has to say it. It's got to be you. It is a staple of the show. Next up, Christopher Tillman. Clinton Robinson. Clinton Robinson's podcast, Coffee and Comics. Craig McNichol. Dallas Easter. Darth Ron. David Collins. That was just crazy, man. Debache. Derek William Crab. Hey, thanks, Derek. Domingo. Barrigan the third. Gene Gene the podcasting machine Hendrix. Green Lantern HG. And his alter ego, Hal Jordan. We got Hicks. Reading Hicks. Thank you, Paul. Homeschooled Film School at Daily James Hibbs. One of our Crusaders Club members, Ivan Chutley. Why do I get this one? You, you should take this one. You should take the next two. Oh, I should take this one? Jared, what is it? Albrecht. Perfect. I, okay. Yes. And his brother, Jason Albrecht. <laughs> Next up, Jed Davison. John Leica Spurgeon. <laughs> He's my buddy from up this way. Say hi to him when you're in the streets tomorrow, Delvin. I will. Does it go with Spurgeon uh, spearing? Um, Spurgeon. Not as such. <laughs> oh, right. Jeffrey Brown. Armin Hunt. Ken Barr Jr. Ken Solo. Kevin Coppice. Kurt Spencer. He hopes you will draw Sergeant Rock. Always hopes that. My good friend from Madison, Chris Peterson. Thanks, Chris. We have Laurel at Mount Farmore. Laurel, yay. Hopefully we'll see her at Heroes Con again, maybe. Absolutely. M. Anthony Geraldo. 
And another friend of mine, a big old Transformers fan from forever, uh, Mike Holmes. Next up is Matt Stockholm. Oh, here's a good one. Philip O. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I'll never hear that name the same. Up next is Reggie Reggie, at Reggie Reggie. Reggie's the host of many podcasts. We're coming by, Reggie. Next up is Rick Heineken. Robert Newton. And then that guy, Ryan Daly, apparently took some time out of his busy schedule to actually like and or share. Thanks, Ryan. Next up is Secret Wars and Beyond podcast the hammer strikes and random geeky stuff all right come on down for everybody's favorite voice of mephisto and probably soon the voice of uh stilt man (laughs) if we're not careful tim price i'm pretty sure that's the thing now that's gonna happen we're doomed (laughs) we've doomed doomed the airways to stilt man Managed to find something worse than Mephisto versus, and you guys are stuck with it now. <laughs> We're not doing it again unless you're coming along. Next up, take a walk with us on Trekker Talk. Then we have Trentus Magnus punches reality. Thank you, Trentus. You should take the next one too, Pat. Oh, I will do that. Why do you say that? Oh, no reason. Because it's unpacking the power of the power pack power because the power pack power can't stop. Say what? <laughs> <laughs> packing like the power pack packing because the power pack packing don't stop that will never get old at all it will never we see bende dots at we see bende dots next up is the alter ego of jason albrick weasel skull then we're gonna finish it off with xenozoic xenophiles we're gonna move right on right along to a few social media comments from go ahead john start off man uh, from G.I. Joe Headcast uh, says, another great episode for another great comic. Enjoying this podcast. Do you guys plan on covering the cartoon at any point? Hashtag until all are one. What are you trying to do? Kill us, head? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, gee. I mean, do you know how much these guys have to listen to me go on extemporaneous about silly things as it is? And you would throw the cartoon into that? It's exhausting. Maybe we could do a special here and there where we cover some of the cartoons and or the movie. Talk about it. Yeah, let's take a pen in it for later. (laughs) I will read a comment from uh, Ryan Daly. He says, great job, fellas. I'll be honest. Felt a little weird to be listening to an episode of this show without me, but you pulled it off. Still entertaining and enjoyable. You know, Ryan, it was tough. Um, We gave ourselves 30 seconds to cry on mute. Another two minutes to cry uh, off mute. And then we just got to it. We persevered. It's been really hard to edit these last couple where we all just kind of stop and wait for Ryan to chime in with his Mm -hmm. usual brilliance and just isn't there. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I miss you. (laughs) You can be our next. Oh, that's some high praise. Oh, we got one from Green Lantern HD, and he's always great at uh, responding and sending us notes here. So we really do appreciate it. Green Lantern says, great episode, guys. It almost hits home for me hearing about Ratchet and Dinobots. And I'm like crazy trying to remember because it was the first issue of Transformers I ever bought, only to realize it wasn't that one. It was eight. My memory ain't what it used to be. I hear you on that one. <laughs> eight is a lot of people's that I've talked to's first issue somehow. That's I mean, that probably was it because it's the Dinobots are in it? It could be. Or maybe people just remember it as being that. Yeah. Looking ahead at the covers, I can see it. Unpacking the power of Power Pack, Jeff and Rick present. I love hearing about these sweet, sweet robots. Keep it up, gentlemen. What's a robot? Do they actually say robots? Robots, yes, like Zoidberg. It's a robot brain. Another- oh. 
He always calls uh, Bender Robot. Oh, okay. Because I didn't watch a ton of Futurama, but I... No, I wasn't a Futurama guy. But I know I know Futurama well enough that when he said Zoidberg, I'm like, okay, Futurama. I was probably drinking. <laughs> Put the brandy oh, down. Oh, <laughs> smoking my pipes. Oh, oh. I also wanted to uh, just mention that tfu.info's podcast, they're available around the podcast sphere. They also have a YouTube channel. Uh, the host, Anthony Brucale. Uh, it's really great. He has a much broader focus than we do here, although he does cover the comic books as well, the Marvel comics and the other ones. It's, I highly recommend anything on it. He covers the toys, the cartoon, the comics. Uh, he gave us a nice shout out on Twitter, so I figured I'd give him a nice shout out here. Oh, heck yeah. He was the one that um, said that he listened to our show and enjoyed it. So yeah, dude, that was beyond flattering that was really cool thank you so much for that that was awesome mm-hmm. yeah he's got a great show I, i'm working my way through it another great show too is uh iacon underground radio that's a lot of fun too nice it is one big transformers love fest around here mm-hmm. and that is the show please come back and join us for next episode where we discuss transformers issue seven the shockwave years <laughs> well, uh, okay, just feels like it. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can find us on Twitter at Longbox Crusade. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon even at Longbox Crusade. We also um, have a YouTube channel called Longbox Crusade. If you subscribe, we do it a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday at what time, Pat? 3.30 Central Time. At 3.30 Central Time, which translates to 4.30 Eastern Time, which translates to 7.30 in Hawaii. I made that up. So, John, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you can be found? Do you know where Hawaii is? It would have to be way earlier. Than, oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, if you like Transformers talk, you can check out the Rod Pod. That's where my wife Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. We also have our main podcast called Married with Comics, where we talk about everything else. The main page for that is marriedwcomics.libson.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at MWC underscore podcast, on Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. And what about you, Pat? Where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin, how about you? You can also find me on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY1977. Well, that's it, folks. That's a wrap on this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are one. Pat, till, all, uh, till all are uh, one. <laughs> What's a sentient being? We'll, 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 catch, we'll catch you up one day. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. Never run your winner
streets Break the rules Take the heat You're nobody's fool You're at your best When the going gets rough You've been put to the test But it's never enough You got the touch You got the Breaking loose, you'll be right in the eye of the storm. You got the heart, you got the motion. You know that when things get too tough, you got the touch. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. To know just what it takes, you're a fighter.